In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Well, hello and welcome to the Retirement Pathfinder alongside Phil Gusky and Barbara Lane over at Pathfinder Wealth Management. I am Ben George. Great to have you on the podcast today. We're excited to close out 2021. Hard to believe a year is already done, but here we are. Final episode of the year. Oh my gosh. Yes. Talk about a fast year though. It has been. Oh. It's been it's been mm-hmm. crazy again. Um, I think we thought things would settle down a little bit this year, but uh, <laughs> that has not been the case at all. But there's still been a lot to, to talk about on our end and a lot to look ahead to. And I think you know, that's a good way to kind of close out the year is, is a little bit of closing out this this 2021, but more so looking ahead. Yeah, you know, and there's always something to be grateful for, too. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen in our lives and, you know, disappointments and so forth. And then that's a time that I look and say, gosh, uh, there's so, so much uh, also to be thankful for. And uh, speaking of being thankful, I just wanted to thank our listeners for, you know, being uh, loyal and sending in your questions and comments and your thoughts on uh, future podcast topics. And and uh, we appreciate you because if it weren't for you as listeners, then we wouldn't be doing these. Well, you know, I, I just have to add to that. We, we love our, our clients. We really do. I mean, we're here for our clients. That's what it's all about. Uh, you know, being in the mm-hmm. business for over 40 years now, Barb, um, I've seen people come and go, but the ones that came and stayed we're successful. And that really uh, bolsters our confidence to know that uh, that we want to continue on this track and we want to help people continue along on their successful venture to uh, financial independence. Yeah, I love that. That's great. And it's a good point. We've, we've had a lot of great support throughout the year and a lot of good feedback. And we appreciate every one of you that's, uh, that's, that's listened to a show this year or tuning in for the first time. We're glad you're here. But if you haven't found us before, you can find everything online, pathfinderadvisory.com. But also make sure you subscribe to the show too. If you haven't done that yet, that, that's the best way to help the show continue to grow. And as we get into the new year, you know, spread the word on the podcast. If you have some family or, or friends that would like to learn more about finance and retirement planning, we hope that this is a show that you would recommend. So we do appreciate that. But turn our attention to the new year. And, you know, with the new year comes new goals, new resolutions, right? That's right. Well, you know, today, Ben, we've got 22 of those for 2022. All right. How about that? I love it. Uh, you know you know how people uh, always start out going to the gym in the first three months of the, the year. No, the first month of the year, right, Phil? In January. Yeah, you, don't, you can't find a parking spot. <laughs> yeah, because everybody's got new resolutions to go to the gym and then come February, it's empty again. But um, well, we don't want to do this with you and your money resolutions. We want these to be staying for you. And so Phil and I have come up with uh, 22 money resolutions for 2022. And, and mind you, this is to be continued. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to cover uh, number one resolution through number 11, and then we'll continue 12 through 22 on the next podcast. That's so great. Phil, you want to get started? Yes, I, I do. Yeah. I, the first one we want to talk about is reduce your debt. Now, these are not necessarily in order of importance, but they all are very important. You know, Barb, I think if, if our clients and our listeners do half of these, I think, you know, they're, they're off go. to a big start. They That's really right. are. Uh, of course, we want to be professional encouragers. We don't want to call ourselves nags, but we mm-hmm. want to encourage people to undertake these particular resolutions. So reduce your debt. What is debt and why should we reduce it? Well, debt is, not, is simply just money that's owed by one person to another. You know, and for our listeners, uh, the debt that uh, we all have is likely to fall into two categories, either what we call rede- revolving debt, which would include credit cards or mortgage debt. So nerd, nerd wallet, which is a uh, 
company that does a lot of surveys with regards to uh, how money is handled, took some data from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, and they came up with some conclusions about uh, revolving debt and mortgage debt. And the first thing we have to understand is revolving debt, for the most part, really covers credit card debt. They found out that the average family out there in America today has $6,900 of revolving or credit card debt. Now, that doesn't sound too bad. However, when you tack onto it that they pay interest in excess of $1,155 per year at 17%, that's pretty hefty. That is hefty. Exactly right. Another type of debt we're talking about here is uh, revolving um, credit card debt is uh, auto loans. Uh, The average auto loan out there is $28,600. And our philosophy is, you know, you don't want to borrow uh, against what we call depreciating assets because that, you know, that's not worth very much after you put your money into it normally. But at uh, low interest rates of one to two to 3%, it's hardly worth passing up, right? And I've got an auto loan right now at about two and a half percent. And gosh, it's that cheap. can't cheap beat that money. rate. Right, right. Student loans, that's another area. And that's, that's a sticky one because we could spend a whole topic on that one alone. But $58,000 is the average wow. student loans. I know that some families are in excess of $100,000 there. And the average mortgage is 203632 So we want to advise our clients uh, the same way Dave Ramsey does to pay down your highest revolving interest rate charge credit debt first, which would be your credit cards. And then as you pay one off, you go to another. Barb, you've got another suggestion to go along with that. Yeah, you know, it's uh, I do. And here's here's just another way to, to look at it. And uh, my motto is to pay off the lowest balances first. So for you and you have, you know, several thousand dollars of debt, maybe your lowest balance is a couple hundred or your lowest balance might be a thousand or a couple thousand. There's a sense of satisfaction if you can get rid of one altogether and then work on paying off. Like Phil said, the highest interest one's next. And the way to reduce the balance quickly is to take the minimum payment and add the interest for that month, add the two together, and that's your payment for that month. And then you do that each month and you'd be surprised how mm. quickly you pay it off. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to number two, boost your retirement savings. In 2022, you can contribute 20500 plus an additional 6500 if you're over age 50. That's a total of $27,000 for your 401k, 403bs, your TSP accounts. That's $1,000 more than you could contribute this year. You can also think of not taking any raises you get in the form of a paycheck and add that amount to your 401k. Also, if there's a Roth 401k option, you may want to strongly consider contributing to that. Some There are the same limits, although there's no tax deduction, but you've got a tax-free account. But tax, if, if you believe taxes are going to increase down the road, um, then you may want to look at a Roth, uh, Roth 401k. Depending on how much you're contributing to your 401k account, if you're max funding it and you're still liking that tax deduction, and which may be a high tax deduction, but you also have to consider what taxes are going to be down the road to whether you may want to consider the Roth option in that. Another reason why we want to contribute more and more as time goes on, Barb, is because of inflation. Oh, for sure. You know, we yeah, have to yes. we have to understand a million dollars used to be a lot of money back when I was a kid, right? It still is a lot of money, but it won't buy what it used to buy. And so and that's the thing we want to do. Now, this brings us to number number three. We're going to go through these quickly. So as as your uh, as our listeners are listening, they might want to jot these things down quickly. But what do we learn from 2020 and 2021? In preparing for the unexpected, well, we have to understand that you've got to have a strong emergency fund, right? A strong emergency fund. And that's very important. And the reason being is that uh, most families, believe it or not, don't even have one. 
what we have is Bankrate did a survey back in July of this last year. And what they found was that the average American family out there has less than three months worth of expense money to pay off their bills. Mm -hmm. Less than three months. Unbelievable. Here's what else they found. They found that 26% of the people out there had less than three months. They had three months or less. Three to five months, about 19%. Six months or more, about 25%. And as planners, we recommend that you have no less than six to nine months worth of emergency cash set aside. And that does not include now 401ks, IRAs, pension plans. A lot of times people will kid themselves and believe in, well, gosh, if I have an emergency come up, I can always tap into my 401k or my IRA account. Your That's, highest tax account. Oh, that is the worst place to draw the money from. Mm-hmm. You've got to have money set aside for emergencies. Yeah. And I say, I say to have enough money, like you said, too, in your savings or your money market account. But not so much that you have money sitting there that's not even keeping pace with inflation, like you know, in in uh, in CDs. I I wouldn't lock in a CD for more than a year right now. That's right. Well, this brings us to number four. Don't overreact to the headlines. Mm, yep. <laughs> the worst time to make decisions is when you're emotional, and the worst time to make financial decisions is when you're emotional. In March of 2020, when COVID hit us, a few clients left us, and I'm sure that by the end of the year they wish oh, they would yeah. have. Right. Well, remember the best days to be in the stock market. We've done a podcast on this. Mm -hmm. There's only a handful each year. And when you miss those days, you're significantly impacting your investment. So for example, in March of 2020, when COVID hit, the S&P dropped 12.51%. In April, the very next month, it was up 12.68%. And it continued for the most for the rest of the year. The best days to be in the market are right after a significant drop. And also, it's when the market, the stock market begins to reach new highs. You know, the, I'm going to take the other side of this too, Barb. You know, there is such a thing as you just explained as bailing out of the market at the wrong time. But, you know, there's also something called bailing into the market at the wrong time. Now, what I mean by that is that there is a craze going around right now that the clients and our particular listeners have to be aware of. It's called the cryptocurrency craze. I thought that's what you were going to say. Cryptocurrency yeah. craze. Yes. If I bought mm-hmm. Bitcoin five years ago, I would have been a multi-gazillionaire. And it just took a big hit. Oh, it did. And I mean, it's up and down and all around. It's one of the most volatile uh, and I would say speculative investments out there. I'm sure there's people there that are leaving their very solid uh, investment accounts right now so they could speculate in some of these cryptocurrencies. And that's the wrong place to put that's it. That's right. So number five, okay, implementing a budget. Ooh, that's a that's a nasty word. Okay. We want to talk about how to keep track of your expenses. Okay. Implementing some type of way to, to keep track of uh, expenses so that you can eliminate waste along the way. We prefer to call it a spending plan, some kind of way to uh, to give you an idea of, of what your cash flow looks like. You know, the bottom line is a family cannot continue to spend more than what they take in. Your family is not the government where it can continue to print money. I remember my mother used to use a phrase. She said, you can't spend money like that. We don't have a money tree growing out in the backyard. Yeah, or it was yeah. throw on trees. That was a famous one at my house. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that all being said... Um, you know, our clients have been very good. If you look at what happened last year when the uh, the COVID hit and uh, it affected the stock market in March, our clients were very good about uh, reducing the amount of, of cash flow out. They uh, they reduced their their withdrawals as the market dropped because they understood that they had to cut back on expenses that time and tighten the belt a little bit. And so they were very good as far as controlling their cash flows. And uh, so that's the one thing that we want to do is encourage people to control cash flows Redraw with withdrawal or con- control, reduce the amount of withdrawals from their accounts uh, during times when when it's necessary to do so. Yeah, that's a good point too, because that's when it's not fun being a financial advisor. 
is when you you know we but but for, for doing the right thing for our clients, we do have to tell them and rein them in and say, you know, if you can take less, yes, that's part of our job. I mean, it's not fun to do that, but it is part of our job. And it, it um, we've had a number of clients that have listened to us with that. Well, you know, it's really funny because uh, I've had a number of them come back and say, well, gosh, I didn't realize I could live, live on less money than I was drawing, or I didn't realize I was taking that much addi- oh, additionally. Yes, yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to mention Quicken is a great program too for spending and tracking your spending because I have bet you I've been having using Quicken probably 25 or 30 years, but um, it's easy to use and it will break down all your expenses and even give you a report at the end of the year for your taxes. Let's go on to number six. Meet with a financial advisor, especially if you have never done it and you're starting to get within five to eight years of retirement. Retirement is a process and there's many facets involved. Uh, the right investment uh, you know, strategy is only the beginning. Other considerations that are equally important are income. That's the most important when you retire is to have the right income strategy. Uh, also minimizing taxes, having an estate plan, whether that be a will or a trust, whether it's updating your current uh, estate planning documents, protection from catastrophic illness. People living in retirement for 30 years has posed a number of concerns for making sure your money lasts. Uh, yeah, I think it's important really to understand that, you know, seek an advisor, but make sure they're a fiduciary. Yeah, that's a good point. And make sure that they're really working out for your, you know, in, in the business for your interest and you, they have your interest first. It's so important. And I always say something like this, that, you know, um, if you think working with an expert is expensive, try getting advice from an, from an amateur. That's a good you know, that's the one thing that people have to realize is that, you know, to get good advice is going to cost you money. So number seven on the list, okay, check beneficiary designations and also check who your owners are on your accounts or ownerships on your accounts. Another chore in the way of what we call financial housekeeping department. And so, do you know who your primary beneficiaries and who your contingent beneficiaries are on your 401ks, your IRAs, or even life insurance policies and uh, annuity contracts? And it's amazing. Some people have had these life insurance policies in place for years, Barb, and they've never yeah. really looked at who their beneficiaries were. It might have been their parents from years back, you know, and they're both gone. So are they current? And it's very important for you to keep up with that. Also, watch out for placing um, your go-to child. Everybody in the family's got a go-to child. We got an engineer, we got a teacher, we got a doctor, we got a, uh, descriptions in our family. So if you've got a go-to child on the account as either a co-owner or a primary beneficiary with these kind of instructions, and it goes like this, Barb, okay, make sure that you split this account with the other kids. There's no legal binding. There. Oh, yeah. You could be unknowingly putting them in a in a financial bind, uh, either a legal bind or with tax problems. Yeah. You know, I'm often asked, should I put my son or my daughter on my uh, joint checking oh. account or savings account? And, you know, I, the, the, there's, there's other considerations. I mean, depending on what you're doing there, but you also have to consider the risk involved too. And that's a, that's a completely open account for them too. And it could also be grabbed in the event of divorce or, you know, um, any issues, financial issues that uh, your, your children could have. But also keep track of uh, things like bank accounts when uh, your your uh, banking instruments. You can have mm-hmm, those set up mm-hmm. as beneficiary designations, and you know bank representatives very seldom. I don't even know if they do ask that question. You have to tell them that you want your account pretty much so. Yeah, set up. Yeah, it's called mm-hmm. a payable on death, but then that will list beneficiaries, and that's important to do for bank accounts as well. Well, let's move on to number eight. Carve out time for a tough conversation or two uh, to talk to your spouse or family about your health care wishes, your mm. powers of attorney for property, for health care, your legacy planning. 
Kids get squeamish about these subjects, I know, but they're important, especially with aging life issues. What are your wishes? What are their expectations, et cetera? You know, I've, I've talked with clients and we've seen this to where the kids are going to take care of them. Well, if your kids are still working, say they're their 50s or 60s, and you can't perform, say, at least two or three activities out of uh, five activities of daily living, mm-hmm. they're going to have to quit work. I mean, so, so really, what are they? Are they really realizing what they're in for if they are going to take care of you? And I would also say, give one of your kids a copy of your estate plan so they're not scrambling when in need of it. And the worst time for there to be surprises to the kids is at death. And you want to avoid those potential conflicts. Yeah, we, we, I refer to these as, as kind of your icky subjects. Right. You know, they're really difficult to talk about. And uh, kids don't want to look like they're self-serving, but they do care about their parents. And the parents, you know, a lot of times they'll put this off, put this off, put this off, saying, well, you know, little Johnny will take care of this when the time comes. Well, not unless little Johnny has the power to do so, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, and we can and we can also review plans just for our listeners to know we could review plans and and keep dollar amounts separate. They don't have to know that uh, until death. If that's you correct. Yep, that's correct. Number nine, audit your insurance policies. And do you still have one of these old insurance policies? And it's kind of interesting, Barb, that uh, folks will come in with uh, policies that their parents bought from the, for them when they were two years old mm-hmm. for whatever reason. A thousand dollar face amount policy. Well, you can use this for college. You know, well, right. You know, <laughs> and we can always tell the age of the policy. You know how you can tell by uh, the way, by the way they smell. I was going to say by the love, <laughs> or by the eleven by fourteen yellow yellow paper. Oh, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, paper yeah. That's on now. Yeah, they keep them down in the in the lockbox for sentimental reasons. You know, and, oh, I don't want to get rid of this thing. But you know, if you like to make insurance industry uh, much uh, much richer, then hold on to those policies. You know, I can always tell uh, when somebody brings them in, and uh, they're kind of reluctant. It's like you know, they get sticky glue on their fingers. They don't want to let them go. But you got to ask yourself, what's the purpose of insurance for, anyhow? Sure. Uh, if you bought a $100,000 universal life policy, even as long as or as short as 20 years ago, it may not be needed anymore. Why? What is life insurance? It's really there to cover a liability uh, and create an estate for you when you don't have that money accumulated. So if you've got 100000 of cash or investments, a couple hundred thousand in 401k, do you really need that life insurance policy anymore? So you need to bring the policy in and have us take a look at it because we can determine how much it's worth. You may want to put that money to work for you more efficiently. Yeah, and I or I've, I actually had several clients who have transferred the cash value to a better, more efficient policy. And uh, some, like you said, there's such old policies that they've actually become self-funded at that point, and and you certainly don't need to continue paying premium. But maybe you can just maybe you can just cash out. Yeah, here's an idea too, Barb. How about taking that cash value and applying it tax-free toward a long-term care plan for and yourself? You could do that, sure, too, with life yes, insurance too. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Call us and find out for sure on that. All right, let's go to number ten. See if refinancing your home is a good idea. Um, with low interest rates, it's certainly a consideration. Uh, other considerations, how long will you be in the home? Historically, if you reduce your interest rate by 2%, some lenders say 1% savings is also a consideration. You also have to consider all the costs. The appraisal costs, you've got closing costs, uh, remaining term with the new rates, uh, and, uh, and, not, and not a new term, but the remaining term. So if you do, if you do a refinance, you want to be careful in refinancing an entire new 15-year mortgage or 30-year mortgage and instead paying down the remaining term. But there are a number of considerations. However, in low interest rate environment these days, it's, a, it's an idea, it's something to look into. Yeah, we had uh, done that ourselves last year and brought it down to what, 2.5% at that point. I think you could still go out there and buy some uh, 
get into some mortgages that have low interest rates. And wouldn't it be wonderful if, you know, you have, uh, yeah, I mean, five, 10 years from now, if the interest rates are back up there at six, seven, eight percent, you have one that you're floating along at two percent, three percent, even four percent. You're in good, good hands at that point. You're going to save a lot of money long term. And so that's very important. So number 11, number 11, organize your financial life. Why do you want to do this? Well, how much does your spouse really know about what you do? If it's the guys, you know, they're doing their investments, they're keeping mm-hmm. all the records, uh, they've got their statements. Uh, does the spouse know where your trust or your will is kept? Where are your life insurance and investment statements at? So the real thing about um, organizing your investments is what we call information or informing your loved ones uh, where all these important items are at. And that includes your children as well, other family members in case they have to step in and take over for you in the event of a disability, which happens very frequently. Yes, it did happen. Um, It's so true with logins and passwords that happened with me this year with one of my clients. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what? uh, they're they're probably in their mid to late 80s and her husband fell and he had some issues from that that were really bad for probably three, maybe even a little bit longer, three or four months. And he was incapacitated. So he wasn't able to pay bills and he wasn't able to take care of their finances. He did everything online. Mm. So she had no idea what logins or passwords he had. She had a very tough time. I was in contact with her for much of this time. And she's having to call utility companies to have them send the bills. And so when they came in uh, after he was uh, much better then I said, you know, you have to share all of this stuff together. So that's, that's very important when it comes to logins and passwords. I think so. In fact, I think it's important. I, you know, this is very, very efficient to be able to do all your, your business work online except when you lose your passwords or somebody else has to find them. Yeah. Well, there we go, listeners. You have a list of 11 money resolutions, but you have to hear the other 11. So you're going to have to tune in in two weeks to hear number 12 through 22. They're equally as important as these uh, money resolutions for 2022. So we want to thank you for listening, and we hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yeah, turn it over to Ben. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's great stuff. Again, 22 total for 2022. This is the first half. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast, please. So you'll get the second half. And it's a good reminder to everyone that it might seem overwhelming to have 22 money resolutions to knock out over the course of a year. But even if you're just able to do a handful of these things, you're going to be better off uh, by the time the end of the year arrives than you were when when everything started, right? Right. That is correct. All right. So thank you both for taking us through these 11. Looking forward to the second half of this. That the podcast will come at the start of the new year. So, again, happy Sounds holidays good. to you all, and we wish you a happy new year. We'll talk to you on the other side. Yep, same to you. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, listeners. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.